Hello, this is Mary Silito with Every School Kid Matters, especially yours. In today's podcast, you'll hear about school funding, COVID money, vouchers, choice, competition, and trimesters. Few uses of taxpayer money are more important than funding that will help our children receive an education they can count on no matter their parents' financial status. While this scenario is what we have always expected and hoped was happening, it clearly is not the case. We need to make smarter decisions about the way we spend money to help our children learn in order to ensure the future prosperity of our country. Since the way we have approached K-12 learning for the past 100 plus years is outdated, and not working, it's time for a new system that makes sense for today and for the future, competency-based learning and promotion. Schools are funded with per-student dollars from money paid by federal, state, and local taxpayers, that's us. In the school year 2018-19, elementary and secondary public school revenues from our taxes totaled $795 billion. In the United States, education spending fell short of benchmarks that were set by international organizations. Our nation put 11.6% of public funding toward education in 2018-19, well below the international standard of 15%. Understandably, The majority of school and district funding goes to salaries for teachers, administrators, counselors, social workers, nurses, secretaries, custodians, classroom aides, school safety personnel, food services, technical services personnel, and other specialized people. Building and facility maintenance is a big cost. You should be able to check the state and school district websites to see how much budget information is available for your state and district as well as per school. You can look through the line items to see how much is being spent and what is being purchased. Taxpayer dollars also went to COVID money. In 2020 and 2021, Congress passed three COVID relief packages that added up to over $190 billion for public and private schools. It is important to know that local and state education agencies have until September of 2024 to spend or obligate almost $122 billion of the American Rescue Plan, which is the Elementary and Secondary School Emergency Relief Fund. Most states had obligated or spent between 20 and 35% of the money as of November 2022. That's the most recent information I could find. Part of the purpose of this emergency relief fund is to address the impact of the coronavirus pandemic on the nation's students. Well, I'm sure that they still have not spent or obligated all that money, and this is funding that could be used to implement competency-based learning and promotion because students who fell behind during school closures could catch up at their own pace and have extra help when needed.
In addition to the previously mentioned funding amounts from taxpayer dollars, schools, district, and states receive money and free curricular materials from many sources. Schools and teachers may apply for donations, grants, and gifts. Schools conduct fundraisers. It's important to determine if strings are attached to any money that's coming into the school. You can find out the sources of funds in your state, district, and school, and look for the details on how that money is spent. Philanthropists are often generous to schools. Mr. Charles A. Silvestri, the junior high school namesake where I was principal for eight years and his wife, Mary Dean Martin, were extremely generous to the students and teachers. Our students and staff were very fortunate to have such a kind benefactor. Not all schools are so lucky. Every state sets aside a certain amount of money for each student. These funds are sent to the school district and the school where the student is enrolled. A voucher system allows for this money allocated for each student's education to be given to a school outside of the taxpayer-funded public schools. In some states, the voucher funds can be given to the parents who provide homeschooling for their children. The reason that so many states are approving voucher systems is only because parents do not want their children to attend failing public schools. Like it or not, public schools must compete with charter and private schools and provide similar or better opportunities for our children. If we don't, the trend for student vouchers will continue to grow moving tax dollars away from traditional public schools and into the coffers of those private and charter schools who are perceived to be doing a better job. Parents want to find the best school that they can afford for their children. Who can blame them? To be competitive, we can't keep doing the same old outdated thing and throw more money into a failing system. Private schools charge tuition money that parents pay per child to support the needs of the school. State funds allocated for student education go straight to charter schools for the students who enroll. Charters are generally open to the public, but are not the same as public schools. And in my experience, charter schools operate more like private schools, but with no tuition costs. For example, in Clark County, Nevada, Parents must provide transportation for their children to and from charter schools and private schools. So now consider which students are immediately left out. It's those with working parents, families with limited transportation such as just one car or even no car, and generally children in foster care. Certain special needs children are left out because of the need for door-to-door -door transportation as required by their Individualized Education Plan, or IEP. And this is important to know. There is no choice for some of our kids. I'll tell you about a few. Bessie was confined to a wheelchair and beginning her 7th grade year at Sylvester Junior High School. Her mother came to school very excited one day because the new charter school down the street had accepted Bessie as a student. She was hoping that the smaller school atmosphere would be better for Bessie. 
she withdrew her daughter and went off to enroll her at the other school. And three days later, Bessie's mother was back, angry and disappointed because the charter school had informed her that they did not provide transportation for any student. As a single working mother, she needed the bus for her wheelchair-bound daughter. Darren's mother came in one August day before school started to let us know that she was enrolling her son at the charter school. Darren had some behavior problems, and his mother hoped that a fresh start at a different school for his 8th grade year might help him get his act together before high school. She had shared this information with the charter school, and someone there asked her for a copy of his disciplinary record from Silvestri Junior High School in a blatant disregard for the regulations. She believed that Darren would not be admitted without it, even though they were not supposed to ask, but she was concerned that he might not be admitted if they saw it. As she had a right to his records as his parents, we gave her the copy and Darren was admitted to the charter school, but he was back at Sylvestri quite soon, having been asked to leave the charter school due to his behavior. And remember Edward, the brilliant but troubled student mentioned in my first podcast? He was asked to leave the expensive private school where he was attending elementary school because of his behavior issues. Public schools accept all children. When families do have a choice, competition is the key. Public schools must maintain robust extracurricular activities while becoming far more academically competitive. Public and some private schools have enjoyed the benefits of having competitive extracurricular activities and programs that keep the students in the school. A successful football, basketball, wrestling, baseball, or other team sport is enticing for many students, and so are the cheerleaders, dance team, pep bands, and other groups that support the teams. Students enjoy attending games and matches and cheering on their schoolmates. Sports can bring the school and community together. Schools like Sylvestri Junior High had only one sport supported and sanctioned by the school district, which was basketball, but that provided so many benefits for our students. We had outstanding coaches, and they put in many extra hours above and beyond the required time to work with the players, creating very competitive teams. The gym was always filled with students for the after-school basketball games. Cheerleaders, the pep band, and dance groups helped create an exciting atmosphere. Students are attracted to public school offerings like band, choir, orchestra, theater, and extensions of these programs such as jazz band, show choir, chamber orchestra, and musical theater. Student clubs and groups such as robotics, best buddies, honor society, student council, chess club, and so many more are critical for competitive schools. Parents of special needs children look for schools where their child will receive top-notch specialized instruction and encouragement. Every single student needs to find a place to belong at school, find their niche where they feel accepted and supported. 
Courses and curriculum must be competitive as well as approved by parents in order to compete with other school offerings. Maturing students start trying to figure out what they would like to do with their lives and competitive schools provide multiple opportunities for toe dipping into potential career paths while providing a springboard for future success. Here's a very important point. Competitive schools require competitive leaders, teachers, and staff. People are the key. Competitive schools with programs such as those listed above require dedicated, competitive leaders, teachers, coaches, and staff. The principal of a competitive school must be able to hire, support, and keep the best people. Without them, schools will fail. But the best people must choose to become educators in the first place. We have serious teacher shortages in our country. Legislators from both major parties are calling for and establishing higher salaries for teachers in hope of attracting more people to the field. This alone will not solve the problem of not enough teachers because our young people are just not choosing to work in our failing public school systems. A new system, competency-based learning and promotion, along with better pay, is far more likely to attract the young talent we so desperately need. In my opinion, legislating higher salaries for teachers and giving more monies to schools should come with the understanding that the old system needs to go away and something better should take its place. We can attract college students to work in the education field by setting up a new system that they can support, hear me out, competency-based learning promotion in a year-round school system with trimesters. Teachers would be paid more because they will be able to choose to work year-round. Students will have more time to master their grade level standards or to move ahead if they so desire. Families could take vacations when it's a good time for them, knowing that their children are ahead of the normal pace and that they will be able to catch up if they need to. Schools should not close for the summer. We are no longer an agrarian society where farmers need children's summer help with the planting and harvesting of crops and managing livestock. Our school buildings are equipped with air conditioning and heating. Working parents must find and pay for costly summertime daycare for their younger children. School buildings need not sit vacant and idle during the summer months. With students moving through school independently at their own pace, families can schedule vacations and trips at their own convenience or when children are between levels of learning. Students might be quite motivated to finish up in a set of standards if the family has something planned. Summer learning loss is no small concern. Students lose ground on their learning paths throughout long summer breaks. Teachers spend weeks at the beginning of the year reviewing what the students have previously learned in last year's classes. According to a study of students in grades 1 through 6 over 5 summers, the American Educational Research Association reports that students lost an average of 39% of their total school year gains during each summer. As might be expected, the study reports nearly twice as much loss in 
math skills, math skills compared to the English language arts. We are wasting time and money in trying to reteach the skills that our children should remember from the previous school year. Not enough teachers is a big issue across the country. We have a problem with attracting teachers and keeping them. We need to make the teaching job attractive enough to draw in the people we want. One big barrier for college students who are choosing a career is the low annual salary for teachers. On the other hand, teachers are criticized for wanting higher salaries while they don't work all summer. The truth is that many teachers find second jobs during these, quote, summers off to make ends meet. Let teachers and other school building employees work full-time like other professionals who have traditionally worked eight to five year-round with an hour-long lunch break. Give them paid vacation days and sick leave as we do for other professions. Teachers and school staff would earn more money because they would be working similar schedules and hours that other people do. More people would be attracted to the teaching profession if they could earn more money. Instead of throwing more money at schools and expecting different results, we need to fund the change for K-12 public schools to a switch to full-time and year-round trimester schedule using competency-based learning and promotion as the system for our students. Many states have already made changes in law that support competency-based learning and promotion. Students would benefit from this schedule by having longer lunch breaks and more time between classes. Students are rushed for time during their lunch break as they walk to the cafeteria, line up to get their food, eat, take a restroom break, and get back to class. In my experience, they often don't eat at all. With a little bit longer workday for teachers, more after-school activities and clubs could be available for the students. Teachers would have more time to prepare for the next day and keep up with all of the demands that are placed on their time. Just as they do now, students could be dismissed from classes before the teachers leave and attend sports practices, clubs, and other after-school activities, or go home. Students would have more options for academics as well as their other interests. Summer learning loss resulting in time wasted for reteaching would cease to exist if we had three semesters or trimesters. School schedules in this format would also solve many issues for working parents by scheduling shorter breaks instead of long idle summers. Families will not spend as much money on summer daycare. We must remember that most of us dislike being forced to try something new. Teachers are no different, especially after years of so many quick changes brought on by new school district superintendents or new school principals. I think states, districts, and schools could be ready after a two-year time period to prepare for the change to competency-based learning and promotion and trimesters. Teachers must have the opportunity to voice concerns and ideas for solutions to those concerns with the changes. If they do not understand the why or see any benefit for themselves or their students, many teachers will not change the way they conduct their classrooms. The upside is that many teachers will not need to make big changes in the way they conduct their classrooms Instead, they will likely have far less stress 
about not having enough time to make sure that all of the students are learning what they are supposed to be learning. Students may be reluctant at first to give up their long summers away from school, but in my experience, our children and grandchildren were excited for the first couple of weeks of summer vacation, but they soon complained of boredom and missing their school friends. The higher cost for this systemic change to trimesters will be mostly in salaries for those teachers and support staff who currently work in the schools anywhere from approximately 184 to 190 days a year. The average job in the United States requires about 260 days per year, so this is not a small amount of money, but it will be worth it. Central office school district employees already work year-round for the most part, so no increase is necessary for their compensation. The large increase in expense for school building employees' salaries is completely justifiable when compared with the advantages for our students that will come with a system that is based on competency-based learning and ends social promotion. Let's give schools the funds to do something that we will all be able to see happening on a daily basis. Can we do any worse in ensuring that our children are getting what they need from public schooling? We can and must do much, much better. Parents and students will choose to attend competitive schools where they believe the best experience is waiting for them. Competency-based learning and promotion is a new and exciting way of educating our children, which will provide a real and valuable choice to families. Trimesters creating year-round school opportunities make sense in our world today. Most importantly, perhaps we can begin to heal the divide in our country by putting away our politics and working together to offer a high-quality, publicly-funded education system for all of our children. Thanks for listening. All the student names in my stories have been changed to protect their privacy. If you have any comments or questions, please email me, mary at marysolito.com, m-e-r-r-y at m-e-r-r-y-s-i-l-l-i-t-o-e dot com. You can find my posts online at marysolito.com and follow me on x at mary underscore silito. Next podcast, I'll talk about student discipline, suspensions, expulsions, and dropouts because these are symptoms of children who are disappointed and frustrated with our current school system.